Hello, and welcome to the Respiratory Care Podcast. This month's Editor's Choice Paper describes the results of a survey of COPD subjects regarding their knowledge, attitudes, and practices of inhaled drug delivery devices. Dan and colleagues distributed an online survey to a group of COPD subjects who use inhaled medications. They obtained 254 responses from a balanced gender population with a mean age of about 62 years. While just over three-quarters of subjects stated they understood their disease and available treatments well, less than half knew the symptoms of COPD. Surprisingly, only 43% of subjects ever used a pressurized metered dose inhaler or dry powder inhaler, and small volume nebulizers were preferred over other devices by subjects who had used them. Subjects described small volume nebulizers as easy to use, fast-acting, and essential for treatment. Overwhelmingly, subjects expressed the desire for greater education on their disease and the use of inhaled drug delivery devices. In an accompanying paper evaluating the knowledge and practices of pulmonologists, they did a second online survey. 80% of the 205 respondents felt very knowledgeable about COPD management and the use of medications. In concert with the subject findings, 70% of providers believed that small volume nebulizers were more effective in severe COPD than either metered dose inhalers or dry powder inhalers. Importantly, few of the respondents knew about teaching patients about device use and maintenance. Becker considers these papers together in an editorial detailing the importance of educating COPD patients towards self-management. Educated patients adhere more closely to regimens and help reduce costs. Becker describes the issue of training clinicians who teach patients and providing the necessary time for this interaction. Koyama and colleagues report on a bench study of inspiratory pressurization during pressure control ventilation in a lung model. Using five current ICU ventilators, they simulated a series of inspiratory efforts across the range of pressurization settings. Their main findings were that the same parameters on individual ventilators resulted in widely different pressurization rates. This has implications when deciding on parameters for reducing patient work and breathing. Chatburn pens an accompanying editorial outlining the pitfalls of lung model studies and describing what these studies can really tell us about device performance. Agarwal and others evaluated patient satisfaction scores in asthmatic subjects using both metered dose inhalers and dry powder inhalers. In their analysis, subjects using MDIs had better treatment adherence and satisfaction scores compared to dry powder inhaler users. Given the first two papers in this issue, readers should consider if the education with newer DPI devices might account for these differences. Ventilator triggering systems have become exquisitely sensitive with changes in technology. In fact, there have been a number of reports of cardiac triggering occurring in apneic patients. Klaukow and coworkers describe an evaluation of triggering while modeling cardiac oscillations in the airway pressure waveform. This study demonstrates the sophistication of current lung models and of the range of problems which can be simulated. They demonstrate that the optimum trigger is not the most sensitive, but a setting that avoids auto-triggering while maintaining appropriate trigger response. Bedside portable lung ultrasound has been touted as a method for monitoring and evaluating respiratory function across a range of conditions. Antonio and colleagues describe a two-year study of lung ultrasound prior to spontaneous breathing trial. Their study focused on the presence of bilateral B-lines as the arbiter of SBT success. In this study of 250 spontaneous breathing trials, they did not find that the addition of lung ultrasound predicated on B-pattern predicted SBT success. 
Ultrasound does provide a wealth of data, and future studies should perhaps include this information in decision-making related to ventilator discontinuation. Marcondi and colleagues described the effects of, of NIV on tissue perfusion in subjects following coronary artery bypass grafting surgery. They compared lactate and central venous oxygen tension in 100 subjects intraoperatively during invasive ventilation in the ICU, following extubation, and after an hour of NIV. There were differences associated with all four scenarios. The use of NIV decreased lactate and improved central venous oxygen tension in this group of subjects with left ventricular dysfunction compared to spontaneous breathing. High-flow nasal cannula for oxygen delivery has seen widespread adoption in recent years. Valencia Ramos said, I'll compare aerosol delivery via high-flow nasal cannula to standard delivery using a jet nebulizer via face mask on subject comfort and satisfaction. Subjects with bronchiolitis receiving high-flow nasal cannula had increased satisfaction and comfort scores. This study did not address efficacy or adverse events. Miller and colleagues survey AARC members and Children's Hospital Association members regarding high-flow nasal, nasal cannula practices. 63 responses were obtained, 98% of which stated they used high-flow nasal cannula. Perhaps not surprisingly, there was not consensus on high-flow nasal cannula definition, initial flow, or subsequent adjustments. Aerosols were delivered by high-flow nasal cannula by three-quarters of respondents. This report highlights how rapid adoption of therapies which have not been adequately studied lead to wide variations in practice and unanswered safety concerns. Transcutaneous carbon dioxide and oxygen monitoring has been used in the NICU for over four decades. Injuries due to high electrode temperatures often limit applications in extreme premature infants. Jacobowitz et al. described the use of electrode temperatures from 38 to 42 degrees C in a group of premature neonates. They report that electrode temperatures as low as 38 degrees provided an accurate assessment of PCO2 compared to 42 degrees, which trended PaO2 but did not accurately predict it. These lower temperatures may help reduce skin injuries. Lambert and colleagues perform a retrospective review of the correlation between transcutaneous carbon dioxide to PaCO2 values obtained from arterial blood gases and values from capillary blood gases. In 912 paired measurements from 34 subjects, they found that capillary blood gas comparisons showed less variation and a slightly lower correlation with transcutaneous CO2 than did arterial blood gases. After accounting for serial measurements per subject, the wide limits of agreement and poor repeatability the authors suggest that relying on transcutaneous PCO2 readings to predict PaCO2 is questionable. Electronic cigarette use has been touted as an alternative to traditional cigarettes, perhaps even as a smoking cessation aid, while others have warned that e-cigarettes might be a gateway to and equally as dangerous as traditional smoking. Martina Sack and colleagues surveyed undergraduate students on e-cigarette use and attitudes toward that use. There were 508 respondents, approximately a 50% response rate, who had used e-cigarettes. Students perceived e-cigarettes as less harmful than traditional cigarettes, but these were rarely used as a smoking cessation tool. These findings demonstrate that e-cigarettes are primarily a secondary source of tobacco for poly-tobacco users. Menendez et al. provide a systematic review of interventions aimed at improving respiratory function after stroke. They identify five interventions to improve respiratory function after stroke. They report that respiratory muscle training is effective for improving inspiratory and expiratory muscle strength, lung function, dyspnea, and activity. The review failed to demonstrate any efficacy of aerobic 
breathing, and postural exercises, or the use of electrical stimulation of the diaphragm on respiratory function. To receive the contents of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues. Thank you.